except perhaps that the funeral committee, it was from such a committee that the letter had come, befitting her status, thought I was one of her long-lost friends, my name scribbled in an old address book. I wonder if the announcement was sent to the other girls, though not many of them would still be at the same address. I remember the day Lieutenant Way's wedding invitation arrived, in a distant past, and thinking then that it would be the last time I would hear from her. I didn't go to the funeral, as I hadn't gone to her wedding, both of which took place two hours by train from Beijing. It is a hassle to travel for a wedding, but more so for a funeral. One has to face strangers' tears, and worse, one has to repeat words of condolence to irrelevant people. When I was five, a peddler came to our neighborhood one Sunday with a bamboo basket full of spring chicks. I was trailing behind my father for our weekly shopping of rationed food, and when the peddler put a chick in my palm, its small body, soft and warm and shivering constantly, I cried before I could ask my father to buy it for me. We were not a rich family. My father worked as a janitor, and my mother, ill for as long as I could remember, didn't work. And I learned early to count coins and small bills with my father before we set out to shop. It must have been a painful thing for those who knew our story to watch my father's distress, as two women offered to buy two chicks for me. My father, on the way home, warned me gently that the chicks were too young to last more than a day or two. I built a nest for the chicks out of a shoebox and ripped newspaper, and fed them water-softened millet grains. And a day later, when they looked ill, aspirin dissolved in water. Two days later, they died. The one I named Dot and marked with ink on his forehead, the first one to go followed by mushroom. I stole two eggs from the kitchen when my father went to help a neighbor fix a leaking sink. My mother wasn't often round in those days, and cracked them carefully and washed away the yolks and whites. But no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't fit the chicks back into the shells. And I can see, to this day, the half-shell on Dot's head, covering the ink spot like a funny little hat. I have learned since then that life is like that, each day ending up like a chick refusing to be returned to the eggshell. I was eighteen when I entered the army. Lieutenant Wei was twenty-four, an age that I now consider young, though at the time she seemed much older, a lifetime away from me. The day I arrived at the camp, in a mid-sized city plagued by hepatitis and pickpockets, I came with a single half-filled suitcase. The army had sent an extensive list of supplies that would be issued to us. Toothbrushes and towels and wash basins, mess kits, thermoses to be shared among a squad, uniforms for all seasons. We used to joke that, had the army known the sizes of our bras, they would have ordered them too dyed the same green as our socks and underpants. A few men and women in uniform loitered under a tree, 
I had taken a night train, making a point of leaving home and arriving at the camp at the earliest time allowed. My father had seen me off at the train station, shaking my hand solemnly through the open window when the train whistled its signal of departure. My mother hadn't come, citing illness as I had known she would. After I registered, a woman officer, about a head taller than I was, her hair cropped short, introduced herself as Lieutenant Wei, my platoon leader. She had on a straw-colored uniform shirt buttoned to the top, dark green woolen pants, and a crimson tie. I didn't cringe under her severe stare. I had lived, until then, beneath the unrelenting eyes of my mother. Decent, if not strikingly beautiful, sometimes during a meal, she would...